Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. Well, I want to welcome everyone to Mindset Playbook, and um, I've got a treat for you today that I think you'll you'll find uh, enjoyable as well as uh, profitable, because uh, Stephen Jones will give you some resources that... Uh, will really enhance your business as well as your personal life. Um, Our guest, Stephen Jones, who among other things, has taken our LinkedIn following from 300 to almost 3,000. Now, Stephen is from Atlanta, Georgia, and has spent the last 20 years in Seattle, Washington. We all know how bombarded we all are by messaging each and every day. And they say it's something like 6,000 ads that we are exposed to in a 24-hour period of time. So just think about trying to work your way through that or get your anybody get your attention for that matter. Well, Stephen is an expert in making sure your message is not only noticed, but read and listened to. Stephen is the owner and founder of Rain City Creative, which is a content marketing boutique designed to keep its clients ahead of the trends. Now, Stephen, since you have a company in content creation and social media, what would you say has been your biggest learning throughout your journey so far? Thank you, Larry. Uh, and I appreciate you having me on, on uh, by the way. So thank you very much for the opportunity. This will be fun. You bet. Um, you know, honestly, I would say the biggest thing that I see with companies is the, the undervalue uh, of communicating with their audience. And, and I see that a lot. What do, you mean, what do you mean by undervalue? So social media has been around for a long time. Um, 2008 for a lot of people, 2005 for some people, some people were late adopters and even got into social media later than that. So it's been around a long time, but I still, I mean, this is 2021 in May, and I still see people completely undervalue social media as a communication tool. Hmm. And, and and I like to say social media is, you know, the telephone. Social media um, is, you know, when you do an event space and you have a table at a show, you know, it's that. It's a forum. And uh-huh. it's really an opportunity to communicate with your audience. And it should be really seen as that way as well. So I would say just a complete undervalue in social media is what I've is what I've seen a lot of um, more recently. All right, all right. And how do you uh, feel that you are best able to impact an individual with their social media or a company? We listen a lot. So. Ah. Yeah, I know, right? What what a unique concept, actually it, listening. Uh, it is. <laughs> but um, it's not one that that, that many people uh, practice because like anything, the only way you get good at anything is you is you practice it or otherwise you just find yourself in a pattern, which is typically waiting for people to stop talking so you can start. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and, and social media is a lot about listening. So with our, with our audience, we have different clients in all different kinds of industries and we can get really good at understanding their audience just by listening. So we, we listen to their audience on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and whatever. Um, but yeah, listening is, is key because the audience is always correct. The, okay. the customer is always right. And, um, you know, by, by, um, being able to connect with them on what they're interested in is, is really key. And how do you, what kind of um, <clears throat> matrix or information do you receive to what kind of information they are paying attention to? How do you find that out? Uh, a lot of it is, so say for instance, you know, we'll, and, and again, this will be really good for, for business owners or people in marketing or whatever is to go to your audience and just really follow what they're talking about. Um, you know, we, we like to follow a lot of our audience's follower or follow our audience's audience, which might seem kind of weird, mm -hmm. but, um, and then, and then just look at what they're interested in, you know, are there pain points? Is there something that they're struggling with? Is there something that they're excited about? Is there something that they're, um, finding is a, is a unique tool or something and joining that conversation. Cause really, honestly, at the end of the day, social media, it's really just a conversation. And again, like I was saying earlier, it's like a telephone. Um, social media is the old version of the telephone. And this is really a direct line to be able to connect with your audience directly and immediately. So hmm. yeah. even way better than the telephone. There you go. There you go. And uh, when you're when you're attempting to connect with the audience, you said that listening is, is such an, a powerful part of that whole process. Um, what specifically are you listening for? Uh, we might be listening for um, what they're interested in. Um, we might be listening for um, again what they're struggling with or listing about, you know, it, a lot of it is about being relevant. And, okay. and I think a lot of businesses, you know, forget about that. So like, for instance, today is, is, you know, May the 4th, may the 4th be with you. So we've had, uh, <laughs> nice. we've, we've had, um, um, social posts today for our clients about may the 4th be with you. And, you know, tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo and, you know, there's Mother's Day is coming up and, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and uh, just whatever, whatever the audience is um, conversing about is really where you could be, should be, ought to be joining in on the conversation with, because that's really, that's what it is. We have an attitude about new. Um so I'll just go ahead and continue doing what I'm doing, but I'll do it through social media. How do you attempt to change the mind of the client that there's a better way? Yeah, good question. Because a, a lot of times that is the mindset. And I feel like that's the human condition is um, whatever I've been doing is what I will continue to do in a new medium. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, there's examples of, 
of long ago people that did radio ads that tried to do kind of a radio ad mindset onto television or, you know, people that are do TV ads onto banner ads, if you remember banner ads. And there's this mindset of, well, this is what we were doing. Here's a new platform. Let's take what we were doing and put that on the new platform. And that's wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And how, uh, do you, how do you share that with a client? It, a lot of it is just sure, conversation. Sure you go, you know what you're doing is absolutely wrong. A lot of times we do. Do you? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty bold with 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 people, and and we're pretty direct because they're hiring us to do what works. And you know, it's funny being from the south. You know, you tend to kind of sugarcoat things and be <laughs> like, well, you know, let me tell you why this might not possibly, potentially, maybe might not be the right way, possibly. But like, no, you're what you're doing is incorrect and you can spend money and you're going to be spending money doing it the wrong way, or you can be investing it doing it the right way. So a lot of it is just telling them um, and, and even really showing them because um, we'll do zoom meetings of here's what your audience is interested in. And here's what your competition is doing right. Mm. And showing them that um, social media is an opportunity to engage because we're really big on engagement. If you're just posting something for the sake of posting something, that's really just a waste of money. Uh, mm. We want to be getting them to do something. We want them to comment. Okay. So you want a call to action. Yeah, absolutely. Is that so, how you determine if you're being successful or not with a client? A, a lot of it is. So my my background is sales. Okay. Um, I, I've always done sales. Sales has kind of been my 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 background since really like the age of 18, uh, really? I, used to, I used to sell pagers. Oh, you did. You remember pagers. I, I, I you know, I do. I do. Yeah. I never had one though. Oh really? Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. It was like 1995 got into pagers and prepaid cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So I, I did a lot of sales, but, um, there really needs to be a sales integration with marketing and marketing needs to have a, a sales integration with what they do. The two really do need to work together in cohesion. I've actually helped companies that have a marketing department and have a sales department that really weren't communicating very well, show them like these two need to be best friends. Like you need to have your sales and your marketing department talking to each other frequently. What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking, and of value, please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at Apernio.com. His book has been an inspiration to many of Mindset Playbook's guests, and you'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life now. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at Apernio.com in the shop. And now, let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come in this episode of Mindset Playbook. So you mentioned that um, at 18, you got into selling pagers. Um, that's right out of high school, isn't it? It is. But and were you working before that or was that your first job? No, my first job was McDonald's. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I was a fry cook at McDonald's. 
Uh, and it was funny because as a teenager and in my early 20s, I was really burdened burdened with like not knowing what I wanted to do. And, and I've had conversations with my nephews now that are 24 and 21. You know, they're not sure what they want to do. I'm like, that's great. It's okay to not know what you want to do in your 20s. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s that change what they're doing. So it's okay to not know. Yeah. But I always, um, I, I was always interested in people. And I was always interested in observing people. And, um, and I don't know, trends has always been my thing. You know, what's new, what's happening now, what's, what's, what's on the cusp of being something big. And, um, back in 1995, it was prepaid cell phones. So I, I was in college, Larry, and my dad was paying for my college and I, I stopped going. I, I quit, I quit college. I didn't tell my dad for like a year later. Oh, <laughs> He was not happy about that. No, I can imagine not. No, but uh, but I started uh, selling prepaid cell phones because that was like a big thing. That was a new trend, you know. Yeah. And you want to know what you want to know what my number one marketing tactic was? What's that? It, it was going to to Kinkos and printing out flyers with tear off tabs at the bottom and putting them on uh, payphones. And I, I would go around, drive around, and I'd stick up a flyer on a payphone, and that was my number one marketing thing. How'd that work for you? It's great. It <laughs> was. I got so busy that I had to hire somebody, and then I I stopped going to school, and I, I started doing that full time. Did you have Did you have any challenges when you were growing up that uh, that you think had an impact on on how you how you perceive things and how you attack things now? Uh, I would say so. Um, I was shy. You were shy. Yep. Okay. I was, I was painfully shy. Okay. Um, what was some evidence that you received that, that had you believe that you were shy? The, the evidence was anytime I had an opportunity to speak up or an opportunity to even really just even in a small group, to share information. Like I, I generally wouldn't even say anything. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm shy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you, had your folks contributed with that acknowledging your shyness? No, no, no they, they, they were, they weren't, um, they weren't encouraging me to not be shy and they weren't telling me I was shy. Um, I just, Felt shy, I guess I would say. Okay. And, and, and um, what did what did shy feel like for you? Shy felt like the world was happening around me, and I was just an observer. Ah, okay. And I, and I didn't want to be a part. I wanted to be a part of that conversation or what was happening, but I didn't feel the worth, the value of my contribution. Gotcha. to whatever the conversation or the situation. Well, well said, well said. And, and had, had, and did you have any, do you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Two I'm, sisters. I'm in the middle. So I have an older sister and a younger sister. Were either one of them shy? My older sister is more shy and okay. my younger sister. Actually, she's pretty shy too. You know, all of us, 
you know, I, I think that like the, the fear of speaking in public is a fear for all three of us. My dad even had that. My uh-huh. mom really even has that. So I don't know if that was a learned thing or a genetic thing, but at, at 18, when you start to have a company, um, and, and then progressing forward with other companies, you have to go to networking events and you have to, you know, speak at a, you know, um, to a group of people and talk about whatever it is you're talking about. So I, I really had to work through that shyness um, because it was it necessitated what I needed to do for business. Right, yeah. <laughs> it like wasn't you, a great skill set to continue to develop. No, it really wasn't. I mean, How'd you break out of it, do you think? Um, part of it was I got away from thinking about me. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, because, and I, and I came to this realization after a a little while, but it's like, it's not about me. And if you're shy and if you're afraid and if you don't want to speak up, you're being selfish Hmm. and really at the end of the day, that's what it is because it's not about me. Like even with this podcast that we're doing, it's not about me at all. It's about the audience. Um, so I always think really now about what's the benefit for you. What's the benefit for the audience? What's the benefit for the person I'm talking to? If I'm talking to, you know, I I remember in my early twenties, um, I was speaking before an audience of executives. It was a business group of all executives. And I was this little 25 year old, you know, I was the youngest person in the room and I was the speaker. Um, and, and and that was a little bit nerve wracking, but but really it was, it's not it's it's about them. What's the value that I'm bringing to them? So that that really helped a lot with my shyness because it didn't matter about me because I want to make sure there's value for them, and, mm-hmm. and that became my concern and that became my focus. Wow, wow. So, um, did when you were growing up, did you when you're sitting around the table with your family or what whatever's opportunities you had for the group to be together were they the type of people that kind of um, understated making it about you because they didn't make it about them or did you pick any of that up uh not from family no okay i i think i picked that up more so from seeking out knowledge from mentors Hmm. okay Uh, people that were where I wanted to be and emulating them and following them and things like that. A lot of that came from my, um, you know, following my, my mentors. So a, a lot of the, um, the focus in my thinking came from people that had been there before. And I was like, that's what I want to be like in doing what they were doing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. N- not even as much from my family. But I was just, I'm wondering how much of the shyness you got f- from watching your, f- your parents. Probably so. And how they interacted and whether they positioned themselves in a look at me, look at me, or mm-hmm. became un- very understated about that. Yeah, it's, it's a learned thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I really think the attitudes that we develop um, – are definitely learned behaviors. They come by many, many ways, but when we're young, it's generally just by observation. And, oh, this is how you succeed, and this is how you win in this environment. 
Yeah. And and then uh, those are not easy to overcome. That's why I was curious. And I think our audience is, knows for a fact that they've got a lot of attitudes as well. You know you have an attitude when you get judgmental or you get shy or you get aggressive or angry or happy or whatever. It's, it's kind of an alignment with a belief that was built. And you, in why I, I wanted to peel the onion a little bit, found a way to overcome that. Because there's, there's many times we just learn to adapt. Mm-hmm. And then we surround ourselves with people we're comfortable with. So it's more likely shy people to hang around with other shy people or outgoing people to hang around more outgoing people. And we kind of take that for granted. But getting back to the audience and getting back to the business you're in, what I hear you saying is, is how important it is to know who you're putting ads out to, who you're writing in, or posting or doing articles for, mm-hmm. because there's such a wide variety of what catches people's attention. And one of the things that you made really important to me when we started working with you years ago was the pain point concept. And why don't you talk a little bit about that as to how it gets people's attention? Yeah, that's um, that's a lot of um, what we'll do, con- not a lot, but th- there's content that we'll do around what motivates someone. And sometimes uh, pain is the motivator. You know, what don't you know? Uh, what are you missing out on? Um, you know, here's three wellness tips that you're missing every day. Um, you know, there's five things that are hidden in your carpets that, you know, can cause respiratory illness, which is true. (laughs) One of our clients does carpet cleaning. Uh, and it was really interesting. And And I love what I do because we, we, we cross so many different industries. It's like, I had no idea you know, about danger and dust mites and uh, old spores and holy cow, you know, it's like, yeah, I need to be cleaning my carpets like every <laughs> other month. <laughs> uh, and they didn't even know that. Like we did research and we found all that kind of stuff. We said, you know, this is what, you know, the health industry yeah. says. Um, but anyway, but, um, but uh, a lot of times, you know, f- you know, fear can be a motivator. Uh, pain can be a motivator. Um, because you know, if something is, if the stove is, is scorching hot and you touch it and you're going to burn yourself, that's a bad thing. So that's one of the things that can be a motivator. And, and oftentimes we use that in some of our posts gotcha. because people are curious, you know, what, what don't I know? What should I know? But, um, uh, that's, that's not always what we use, but a lot of companies have that as a missed opportunity. You know, there's things in every industry where, like you know because you're the expert in your industry what your audience should be doing or what they need to be doing you could be selling tires i don't care it doesn't matter but there if you were selling tires or things that your audience should be watching out for things they need to be doing things they ought to be doing you know a problem that can happen if you don't rotate your tires every so often or whatever right um and a lot of um, companies don't do that in their social media because 
you know, your audience needs to know. And it's really your, honestly, it's really, and I think of it as, as a business owner, it's your responsibility as the company to let your audience know what they need to be knowing and watching out for. Sure. And, and, and by the same token, we know that there are a lot of challenges people face is that we're so bombarded with negative media oh, yeah. about, you know, the world's coming to an end and, and the government's falling apart and nobody's getting along anymore. And, <laughs> and we know that that's, that's such a small percentage of what actually is going on in the world, but it gets attention. Mm-hmm. And that's got to get someone's attention if you're going to get them to take action. Where do you incorporate the, the value side? Because fear, people do enough to get you to shut up. And it may be to buy your product, but it doesn't mean they're going to use it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Absolutely. And then the other side of it is, is why should I want to? <clears throat> so we, how do you guys incorporate the I want that, not to overcome a problem, but to gain an advantage. Yeah, the value is is key. And, and you were talking earlier about, you know, there's 6,000, you know, advertisements that the average person sees every day. And it's it's that, if not even more. That's because I'm good at reading what you send me. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I was and, glad that you had underestimated yeah. on, on the other one. Yeah, because because I it was like three thousand messages a day, and then you know new reports were five thousand messages a day, and then the most recent is like six to ten thousand messages a day. That's amazing, um, and it makes sense because if you think about it, just if you're driving in your car, you're going to see um, all kinds of businesses or ads or whatever, and if you're online, you're going to see all kinds of messages. But uh, getting back to the point like with value right because there's so much noise uh the value is really what's key okay and and, and i like to um, describe it as you know if you're if you're like at a busy farmer's market or something with your children and you look around and you notice you know your your child isn't there um there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people talking and there's a lot of people um, shouting and talking and, and whatever. There's a lot of noise, but if you shout out your child's name um, and you, and they respond like that pierces the noise and you recognize your child's voice in a, in a crowded farmer's market where you don't know where they are. And, and I feel like that's really what we do with our audience. What we do with our clients is if, when you can build a relationship with your audience, they hear your voice and that value is key for that. Um, you know, so then that gets back to, okay, well, what is the value of my message? What is the value of what we do and say and all of that? Because it is a crowded marketplace. So if you associate, um, the crowded farmer's market and a lost child, what what can you do? What should you be doing to um, connect with that audience so that they can hear you? And it's that relationship. You know, you, you would hear your child's voice over 
40 people talking near you. Bet. Um, so it's the same, it's the same thing in social media. It's the same thing in, in the virtual world. Um, you're going to have that connection. You're going to have that relationship and the value um, is where we start that conversation with companies. All right. That's, that's a great metaphor. I think everybody can relate to that, you know, crowded airport and their name comes over the intercom. I mean, thousands of people in there, but you hear it, right? Absolutely. And, and, and someone said, Larry Olson, we need you to come to gate G4. You're going to hear that versus you got my whatever. Attention right then. <laughs> right. Um, you know, there's a, there's now with the social media and zoom in particular, which a lot of people have had brought into their lives, at least through the pandemic, if not before, um, some of it's good. Some of it's not so good in the sense of, of, sound, the quality of video, uh, all of these little elements come into play, which either show that there's quality with that message or it's a little sketchy because you don't want to buy something and have a scratch on it. You, you want it new. And I think with sound, we want to sound clean. With video, we want it 4K. We, you know, we want it that whatever the latest may be. How, how can companies do video better in their social and, and why is that important? Uh, that, that's an important question because video is key and a, a lot of companies um, don't do video very well or they don't do it at all or they do it very infrequently. And that's, that's, that's a terrible thing in this world because, as you know, if you really want to get your audience's attention, it needs to be through video. Um, so to your, to your point, I, you know, there's a lot of ways to do video. We can kind of break that down a little bit here even. But, you know, some people feel like you need to have lighting and you need to have a microphone and you need to have a setup that represents your business well in a good light and video. And there's, there's a place for that, but uh, we're finding that with most engagement opportunities, you can have your, you can have your cell phone and you can do a video, you know, while you're walking or driving or talking and that gets oftentimes really more engagement uh, than a professional setting. And I think a lot of it is because it's it's authentic, it's yeah. real. Yeah, and and that's great for a business because you can be authentic easier than you can have a setup of great lighting and great sound and a in a in a semi quad quasi studio setting or whatever. Yeah. You don't really need that. I, I feel like uh, most people expect and appreciate authenticity in video. So we've had many companies that spend a lot of money to do the right lighting and have a videographer there and all that kind of stuff. And that's good for promotion. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do a commercial or something that can be sure. good. But a lot of times people just want the raw authenticity of you, you know? Yeah. So, so when, when companies are talking about doing video, I have this conversation a lot. Like we want, we want your people, you know, your crew, your staff, your employees um, doing whatever they're doing. Um, 
if they're on the road putting up a project, you know, have a video around that. Um, if they're in the office and they're doing an event and there's people coming in, you know, capture that on video. Um, it, it, the authenticity is really key. And that's, that's hard for a lot of companies because I feel like that's a lot of vulnerability. And when companies feel like they have to be vulnerable, they get fearful and they get scared of, oh, I don't know if I want to be vulnerable. Uh, but that's where we are. Like if yeah. you're not vulnerable in your marketing and in your video and in your social, you're not there. You're, you're 10 years ago. And um, so we really work with companies to help them be authentic. And for them, it feels like they're vulnerable, but it's really, they're being authentic. Yeah. And, and which is appealing and Absolutely. believable and trustworthy. And, and, yeah. and that's such a good point on, on authenticity before all of our listeners is you, there's nobody that can do you better than you. 100%. Right. And when you have to start scripting, when you have, and like you say, it has its role, especially if you're, if you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on a 10 second spot, you don't want somebody rambling on, you know, you want the point right now, right? Clear and what it nots and that, but that is such a rarity. And yet that Mm -hmm. becomes the model. Mm -hmm. And so everybody wants to have that perfection. It only make only to make them uncomfortable. And really, Larry, the way you do your podcast is a great example. There are some podcasts where they have a a guest on and it's like, okay, here's the seven questions we're going to ask you and, you know, be prepared to answer these seven questions or whatever it is. But like the way that you do your podcast is a great example. It's, it's more you're listening and it's conversational. It's wherever the direction of the conversation goes. And that's authentic. And that's hard, by the way. You know, if you said, all right, well, here's your seven questions. Here's my seven answers. And we're going to talk about it. That's easy. But for you to like listen and to move in the direction of the conversation, that's harder. Um, but that's authentic. And that's what people want. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'll take that. <laughs> but it's true. You know, I've been on some podcasts and, and as a guest, and there's, there's a brief sheet and there's suggested questions. And, and even, even when you know what the question is, it can seem in the beginning unauthentic because you knew that what the question was going to be and you're ready for the answer. Mm-hmm. And that lack of spontaneity. And the other thing that always is disappoints me in people and in some of these podcasts that that you can be on is they'll ask a question like, what was the most important moment in your life? And you go on and articulate this. And then they their response is, okay. And yeah, <laughs> and you're like, like really? next question. <laughs> right. <Really>? Next question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that. That is something that um, you bring to the party for your clients and for anyone listening that, uh, you know, wants to connect with this man. It's Rain City Creative and and Rain is spelled like having the kingdom or being <laughs> being the the one. And right. also, R-E-I-G-N. yes, it's also in Seattle. <laughs> yep. 
which exactly. just dawned on me the other day, as a matter of fact. Oh, oh that's that's a play on on that's words. A, that's great. A double entendre. Yes, it, there you go. There you go. Well, I um I have very much enjoyed the conversation with you, and there's so much more I would like to get into. Um, what would you leave our listeners with regarding? You know, they may not have a company, but they do have people in their lives. And we all recognize that the number one fear of the human race is rejection because we can't survive as a society if we're not in a group, whether it's a family, a tribe, a gang, doesn't matter what it is, a country, a nation, the world, we want to be a part of something. And that gives, that's the only way we can articulate who we are and how we're doing. And is there any relevance in our life? Otherwise, rejection comes into play because I don't fit in. And your marketing background and your, and your ability to get people's attention, you have some magic juice that you bring with you. And, and it's called Steve Jones. <laughs> you know, when we first met, you were, you were a good listener. You asked questions. And what really amazed me about you is that you were actually interested in the answer. And I think that's where, you know, where you had me. That's where I, I got to get to know this guy. I want to work with this guy because it's just not one, a one size fits all for you. And sometimes that's what we get when we bring a vendor in or we, or we, order something that's going to help us or improve us. And it's, and it's, it doesn't deal sometimes with those idiosyncrasies. So as listeners who want to build stronger relationships at not only in their personal life, but in business life as well. And for our audience of business owners out there, um, what is, what would you suggest is something that they should be paying attention to? to make sure they create that engagement? Um, I think, I think self-awareness is a big part of that. Um, I think some people have that naturally. Um, I, I always had that and I never, um, you know, could put my finger on it, but a lot of it was around self-awareness. And so if your goal, if your goal is to be, um, to connect better with people, like if your goal is to um, be liked by more people, if your goal is to um, add more value to people, then I would say, you know, practicing self-awareness would be key. So, and a, and, what do you and, mean by self-awareness? So it's it's looking beyond yourself. So when you're talking with someone, and maybe they, um, or, or you know whatever it is that they're telling you, you're not just consumed with what you're thinking about and thinking about what you're thinking about and how that affects you. You're really have out of body experience, and you're enveloped in what's going on with them because I, I I'm noticing over the years, even more so recently where people don't, um, they don't really open up. 
they don't really they they go this far and they they tend to not want to go further than that but with me in a private conversation they go this far because i'm not thinking about what i'm going to say next i'm listening to them and i'm interested in them and i may not have an answer i may not have a solution i may not have the the final answer to their world's problem but if nothing else i'm engaged and i'm listening to them yeah so and i feel like we're missing a lot of that because it's all about you know how how good do i look and how professional do i appear and how great does my presence look in front of other people and that's not self-awareness <laughs> that's <laughs> that's selfishness yeah. and uh and, and honestly I, I feel like well, you and i could have a podcast just on that because sure. i'm having conversations with people where at the end of the conversation they're like wow i've i've, I've never been able to like really expand upon this thing that's bothered me or just to talk about this thing uh, because people don't tend to listen. And, and, uh, and I think listening is key and just not being selfish and just being there in the moment for that person. It could be zoom. It could be in person. It could be over the phone. They could be in London. It doesn't matter where they are, but if you're listening, uh, people will go from here to here with you. And I think we need more of that. All right. Well, that was that was very well said, and I, I thank you for that, and I thank our listeners, and and recognize it is easy to get caught up in yourself and be asking, "How am I doing?" And the challenge with that is when you look around yourself and you don't see anybody staring back, what's your answer going to be? I'm doing terribly. So don't ask the question and change it to, "How are they doing?" What are they doing? Why are they doing it? And Steve, you've been a great example of that. Um, you've got a very thriving company, and I hope our listeners know why now, because you taught us that, again, self-awareness is so essential when the self is aware of those around it and uh, stops being overly concerned about how it's doing. And then what happens is, the value that you've always been looking for shows up without even asking for it because keep people care about people who care about people. And, um, Steve will have his info. Steven will have his information, uh, on next to the podcast. So you'll be able to get a hold of him. Um, I just want to thank you again for taking your very valuable time and, and sharing it with us. Thank you, Larry. And uh, look forward to an, another opportunity to get together and, 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 uh, and see where the next trend may lie. That sounds good. All right, buddy. Thank All you very much. You. Thank you. And have a great, uh, great rest of your day. Right. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Larry's next guest will give you a whole new perspective on how you think about your thinking and its impact on your life and the life of others. Learning that our understanding may not be what needs to be understood is in itself the reason why you'll love this one.